Hi, everybody. Welcome to Tent Talks Podcast. I'm your host, Stacy, and we've got Kimberly on sound production and editing. And today, I want to talk to you about a question that I heard this last week that has just been ruminating and taking up a lot of space in my brain. So first of all, as per usual, I was on TikTok. <laughs> And I saw this video from Felicia Hatcher. And Felicia has worked for some of the top brands in the world, like the NBA. And I think she said even like Nike. And anyway, she's just this woman who has, I guess you could say, risen to the top of the top, been in the most influential rooms in the world with people who are focused on mindset and positive thinking. And she said no one in any interview process, in any boardroom, in any like setting was I ever asked this question. But when I heard it, it really stopped me in my tracks and I had to think about it. And that's exactly what happened when I heard this question. And the question is, who am I uninterrupted? And she goes on to explain that the quality and the richness of the question really determines how far into your soul and into the depths you can go in it. And it really does depend on the quality of the question. So as I was thinking about a life uninterrupted, I was thinking about it in I guess a professional setting because, you know, she was talking about her career and her professional life. And so I was thinking about it in mine and life trajectory and just dreams that I've had that I haven't been able to achieve. And she uses this really beautiful imagery where she said, imagine if all of the red lights were green lights and there was nothing that got in your way and nothing that was stopping you from accomplishing your dreams. After several days of sitting with this, I decided to pull out an old trick that I have. <laughs> and what I did is I, I wrote down the question with my dominant hand, and then I answered the question with my other hand. And what this question does is it puts you in a different part of your brain because your less dominant hand is answering, which means that you're kind of concentrating on your your writing and you're allowing information to just flow. And I've done this with a lot of like really big life decisions or things that have really stumped me or that I'm trying to figure out or pull more of my own wisdom from. I do this writing exercise often. So write the question with the dominant hand answer it with your other hand. And I want to read to you my answer. And then I want to talk about it and do a breakdown. So the question, who am I uninterrupted? And I said, I would be rich, well-traveled, and not as kind. I would be uninsatiable. I wouldn't have learned about privilege and racism. I wouldn't have to feel so deeply. I could just move on. And as I sat with my answer, I really surprised myself because in a way, I'm kind of grateful for my red lights. And it's not that I don't want green lights because everybody wants to just have an uninterrupted path of everything working out in their favor. But with my red lights, 
I was able to learn kindness. I think whenever we're put into a situation where we feel like a failure or where our path has been redirected in a direction that we maybe weren't proud of or as happy about, I think we learn a lot of compassion and kindness to those around us. And I think we learn compassion for ourselves. I also said I wouldn't have learned about privilege and racism. And I really thought about that because, I mean, I talk about this all the time, but born and raised Mormon, I was basically taught that I was destined for greatness and for some sort of elevated status, not only in the world, but in the afterlife. And while Mormonism never used the term goddess, I was to be the wife of a god, and I was to rule planets. And I mean, this was the time when we were still like talking about collab and uh, like creating worlds with your partner after this life. You know, I really was raised to believe that everything was in my power, but it was conditional upon my obedience to doing what the church, aka all these old white dudes, what they wanted me to do, but they were channeling God is how it was presented to all of the members is like, hey, we're the mouthpiece for God. And we're going to tell you what to do. And you just have to obey it. And then when you obey it, you're going to live this life of abundance and prosperity. And that is evidence because God is blessing you because you're doing what we're saying. So for me to break out of some of that mindset that was ingrained in me from a baby, I had to decenter myself. I had to learn that it wasn't about Christianity. It wasn't about whiteness. It wasn't about Mormonism. It wasn't about anything like being in the United States living in this time and era. I, I really had to look at my life in context and through different lenses. And I think my journey learning about privilege and racism really shifted my whole foundation of my sense of being and my sense of purpose on this earth. And anyway, I love that that came out with like my red lights. Cause if, if I only had green lights or only had a life uninterrupted, of course it would only reinforce all of these negative, what I now refer to as negative belief systems that were instilled in me. And then the next part is I wouldn't have to feel so deeply. I could just move on. And I think like knowing my brain, there's also a line in here that I skipped that said I would be uninsatiable, but I really think it pairs well with the last sentence that I wrote. I wouldn't have to feel so deeply. I could just move on. I think I, I have a lot of uh, multi-passion projects and ideas. And if, if all of those just happened, I don't, I don't know what would happen to my brain. I mean, I just love coming up with ideas. I love thinking about things. I love, I love dreaming about what could happen. And I think if I was always going to get a green light, if I didn't like the way something was working out, I would just, I would just say, fuck it. And I would move on to my next project and my next big idea. Cause Lord knows I've got a lot of them. 
Anyway, I, I really love this question. Who am I uninterrupted? And after doing that writing exercise and you guys heard my answer, I just sat with my answer for a long time. And then surprise, surprise, I took it a step further and I was thinking about some of my core wounds that I have. And one of them is of course the people pleaser within me and how is a people pleaser born? Like what creates the pleasing, the perpetual people pleasing? When did it start? How did it start? Like what age? Why was I doing it? And I was listening to someone talk about the origin stories of people pleasers. And it usually starts even nonverbal in childhood and infancy. All you need is to be cared for and to be shown affection because that's how you co-regulate. So of course, every baby needs like food and, you know, their diaper change, things like that. They need to sleep, but they also need love and affection. And I don't know if you guys remember that very controversial study. I can't even remember what it was, but it was like people not talking to babies and not holding them because they wanted to see what language they would come out speaking if they weren't loved and, and, and cared for and spoken to. And all of those babies died. We'll have to reference what that study was, but oh my God. Anyway, but kids who are born into families where their care providers are not regulating themselves. They don't know how to calm down. They don't know how to soothe themselves. What happens is it puts the infant or the child in a place where they still need this. It's a biological need, right? To co-regulate and to calm down. So the infant or the child learns out of survival, like literally to stay alive, they learn how to co-regulate their caretakers. And I've spoken about this a lot. If you were raised in an abusive household, or if you were raised where the adults and the caretakers did not know how to emotionally regulate themselves, there's a lot of confusion with that as a child, because you're looking to your caretakers to help you regulate. Like when you're sad, when you're hurt, you seek out that. But in the case of a perpetual people pleaser, you learn that it's your job to take that role on for everybody because you do this thing where you shape shift and you switch who you are, you switch your mood and you carefully study all the people around you and you figure out, oh, this thing that I do calms them down. Oh, this thing makes them laugh. This thing gets their attention. And I think about like kids who are really demanding of attention. And when I see that now, I see it a lot differently. Oh, they need a lot of attention, maybe because they wanted to make sure their parents were okay. And so they demanded a lot of attention so that their parents would look at them and check in on them. Like I I very much view things differently after I've deconstructed my, my childhood and my core wounds, but being this shapeshifter is very tricky because again, I'm leaning toward this, this question, 
which I'm now taking a deeper dive to this question. Who am I uninterrupted? Who, who am I? What is my original shape? Who am I if I'm not shape shifting? I mean, I've given the example on here before where I have literally written lists that I reference, like, this is what I like. This is what makes me feel happy. These are some of my favorite things. And sometimes I have to go back and look at those lists. I remember doing that. And it's evolved over time of like, how do I want to look? How do I want to speak? How do I want to show up in relationships? But it still gets very confusing because anytime my nervous system gets triggered, and again, this is involuntary. When people go into a dysregulated state, it's involuntary because your body is giving you a gift to helping you because it actually thinks it's in danger. And it could just be something as simple as um, a misread text message or a traffic jam or something like that. But it can really throw your body into a spiral where it thinks it's in danger. And so you go through the process of the stress cycle, and then eventually your parasympathetic system kicks back in again, and you can relax and come back down from that super intense hyper arousal state. And eventually, you kind of learn what sets you off and and you learn what can regulate and calm you back down. And if you're always the one that was doing the co-regulating for other people, it's hard to know what regulates you and how to receive it. It goes back into this giving and receiving cycle as well, because like, I know how to regulate people. I do it with my clients. That's part of their gift of just coming to see me and having me massage their body or talk to them or consult with them is I will be a grounding force for them to regulate themselves. I've been doing it my whole life. I know how to do it. And I can use tones and I can speak very soothingly. I can be very affirmative and validating for them. And I can also help people expand a little bit and stretch their window of tolerance, stretch their capacity to look at things and to work through things in their body. Because the body stores this trauma that we carry. Everybody carries stories or trauma in their body and it doesn't have to be the worst possible thing you can think of. It can be, you know, whatever frightens your body and sends you into a stress cycle. Your body carries that. And if you don't process those emotions, it just keeps on storing it away. And the thing is, when you go into a stress response, your body doesn't know like, oh, this story or this fear or this activated wound is 10 years old. And this one is only from last week. And this one is five years old. Your body doesn't keep track of time like that. And that's, I think, the important job of becoming a little bit more intimate with your wounded self and kind of mapping things out for yourself. Because somatically, yes, you can release things because it's stored in your body. But sometimes we're releasing things that are from a very, very long time ago. And if we've never really worked through that, it can take a long time. It can take layers and layers and sessions and sessions of a lot of professional help and a lot of 
a lot of self-care, nurturing, changing that internal dialogue of so much compassion. And it might just be something that you live with forever that eventually when it gets triggered or activated is just not as strong, but it's always, it's always there. And I think that the misconception of healing is that you won't have any more wounds. And that's not true. It's just, you can love all those wounded places. You can love all of the places inside of you that you think are ugly or unlovable or untouchable. And the job of our wounded self or our ego, if our ego is wounded, is to hide all those hurts from us. But it's our job eventually as humans to find those places and love them and, and give them some care. And so, you know, maybe you've emotionally processed and somatically processed your hurts, but you know, maybe sometimes you still think about it and sometimes it still comes up in your everyday today. And that doesn't mean that you're not healed or progressed It just means it's still with you and it was an experience that impacted you greatly. And so as I'm moving forward with my um, co-regulation skills because of my deep wound of having to be a people pleaser as from the time I was an infant, I'm thinking about my uninterrupted self and I'm actually grateful for the interruptions. And I've built a life knowing how to assist people to co-regulate with them. And I actually get paid to do that. It can be exhausting at times when I don't maintain my own personal boundaries, but it's also like my superpower. So I'm just wondering, like, I guess based on interruptions, like who, who are you? uninterrupted? Is it part of your identity? Would you just think about that question in a professional trajectory? Are you thinking about it on a soul level? Anyway, I really think if you have TikTok, access to TikTok, if you look up Felicia Hatcher and watch her original video and just listen to her story and listen to her journey. And I, I think specifically as a white person born and raised Mormon, I think I have to really thank all of my interruptions, all of my red lights, because I I think I would be my own worst nightmare if I had any more, any more green lights. But of course I want them. (laughs) Of course I want to be the best version of myself. But I think in order to be the best version of myself, I had to deconstruct and I had to sort through all those programs that aren't in alignment with my soul. And even though sometimes our wounds and our hurts in life don't feel like they would be alignment with us, they're ours. And so we might as well put them to work and love them and give them use. And I feel like that's what I've been able to do with my wounded self of the perpetual shapeshifter who's a people pleaser. And of course, I'm always keeping that in check. I've always got my eye on it. But in the meantime, I'm gonna let it do its job. Anyway, I hope this episode 
leaves you pondering that question. And if you would like to share your answers, or if you'd like to connect over what you've come up with, please reach out. We'd love to hear your responses. We'd love to hear your input. If you're listening specifically on Spotify, we have a question. And the question is the same one that Felicia Hatcher introduced, and it's, who am I uninterrupted? If you go ahead and share your answer on Spotify, we'll read that and we'll talk it over. And I'd love to hear from you. And I'm curious about what it brings up for you. As you can see, for me, it's taken me on a deep dive from writing exercises to, I don't know, just a major deep dive into my wounded soul. (laughs) But yeah, look for that on Spotify. Anyway, thank you so much for being with us and we'll see you next week on 10 Talks.